Yeah, Helen does the music for our show. She just generally sings our little jingle and that's the extent of our music. It's so lazy of me, but also we can't use the real music to around the world, around the world. Love and I haven't got time to do it on the piano. So I'm just going to have to sing it every week. Sorry. That's wonderful. You got to do what it takes. I had no idea that was a real song until now, Helen. I thought you had made that up just for that segment. That's Daft I Punk, right? That Daft Punk. That's Daft, Daft Punk. Welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fella Fellas. Welcome. To footy fellas, if you don't feel welcomed by now, I don't know what to tell you, except that we're coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota, we're going to be talking soccer, we're going to be talking life, and we got a little something for you. So if you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at footyfellaspod, F-O-O-T-Y, fellaspod. That intro featured our good friends, the Women's Soccer Show, who you're going to hear from in this episode, so get excited. We chatted with them about the recent NWSL Challenge Cup, the Women's Champions League final, which happened, and they gave predictions so you can see whether they were right or wrong, and the steps clubs need to continue taking to elevate the women's game to where it belongs. So a really fun, knowledgeable, and energetic chat with Helen and Sarah, which we will get to in a couple of minutes. I enjoyed that, guys. I don't know about you, but it's it's always a pleasure when we hang out with them. Being on their show or ours, um, they're so knowledgeable. They know their stuff. You just said that. You're going to learn something in this pod. Um, but it's almost every chat I have with them. It's enjoyable. And then they bring something smart to the table that I'm locking away and saving for some little, little party. Later. Rainy day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Great insights into the game. Uh, NWSL, Champions League. They're very knowledgeable, as you said, Jones. And it, it's always a pleasure to talk from them. Uh you know, one across the pond and one in New York. So we're kind of scattered. It's nice to talk to, to both of them. I see you asked a good question at the end and just kind of threw it out there about how COVID's impacted the women's game and whether that's increased disparities or potentially given more opportunities to the, to the women's teams because clubs are now recognizing there are two teams we need to pay attention to for scenarios that we can't control like this. And they had some good, some good takes and some good opinions and knowledge, like Jones said, that I just wouldn't have considered, um, but brought our brought a whole new element to the conversation and just added a whole piece that we wouldn't have chatted about otherwise. So I thought I thought that was a good question on your end. Absolutely, I mean they had a great they had great answers. Uh, it 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 wasn't what I expected, but when they when you hear them describe their answers thoughtfully and thoroughly, makes a lot of sense. And it truthfully doesn't paint a great light on, on the soccer organizations around the world. So really appreciated them giving a, a very thoughtful, thoughtful answers to that topic, to that question. The brain tickler, as I called it. I like how, I like how vague we're being. I like that if you're listening to this right now, we're like, you know, hey, you remember that really funny thing that they said at minute 32? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. That laugh was horrifying. <laughs> I do. But but you remember that? That was great. That was great. Well, these guys are going to love it when they get there. 
on a lighter note, something specific we talked about, since Jones seems to think we're not keying you in enough, that you're not enough a part of the family and we're just leaving you out in the dark. <laughs> Inside jokes. Is that we talked about Daft Punk, both when we were just chit-chatting before we started recording and then in the recording, and it inspired the intro, which you obviously heard at this point. What about Daft Punk, huh? When's the last time either of you thought about Daft Punk? Daft Punk was big for our golf weekend not too long ago. Um What's the song? Digital Love. I could have gotten that wrong, but Daft Punk was. It was. Uh, we were playing it a lot during Golf Weekend. It's sad that they're now broken up. I was, gonna, I was gonna say that was the only thing I thought about them recently was that they're no more. I did, I don't even know if I knew that. Yeah. Dude. So there you go. The only the only fun fact I brought to the table was the year that around the world our song that inspired the intro what year that came out from daft punk so jones what year do you think around the world came out and then i'll i'll come to you i see show me 1998 wow uh show me 2006 1997 (laughs) i knew that they were a little older than you than you think wow they've been around yeah i didn't realize that yeah i was introduced to them um First, unknowingly, Kanye West sampled them in his music, uh, but I was first brought to atten- their attention, or uh, their attention was brought to me. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, they gave you and- their attention. They gave <laughs> they you. Gave, Daft Punk's they gave me attention. You. I watched this anime back in like seventh grade with my buddy who was super into it. I'm blanking on the name, of course. It, not Cowboy Jack. Not Cowboy Jack. Now I'm just saying stupid stuff. There's <laughs> anime, an anime whose the whole soundtrack was Daft Punk, and it was very cool. That's awesome. I um I would one watch a show called Cowboy Jack if it if it is a real thing. I would definitely watch that. I um I, one more time was my that was my my banger. One more time. Dun, mm, mm, that was like we're gonna celebrate. Break. Yes, is that Daft Punk. Yeah, dude. Wow, dude. Their hits, their hits came out at all the right times for our, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade dances and yes. bar and bat mitzvahs a couple yes. years later. That's when they were hitting their sweet spot. Yes. For us, at least. Exactly. And they did it. Look, they did the they did the DJ. They I, I want to say it's probably not fair. They're probably not the ones to be credited with it, but maybe they are. because I don't know the scene, but they're the ones who kind of brought about the wearing of mask while you're the DJ, like then you had Dead Mao and you have like Marshmallow, Marshmallow, S'mores, Hershey's, just all the Graham Cracker. You've got like Listum, right? Yep. Um, campfire, Campfire. There's Smokey the Bear and the Bandits. There's, I mean, there's a lot. Um, but uh, but that like iconic, absolutely iconic. I feel like they're like going away. Should have been them at the end of like they had their last music video, and at the end they take their helmets off, and they just have more helmets underneath or something like that. <laughs> We could have done that if we planned ahead better, but considering we showed our faces right from the beginning, we can never have a cool reveal <sighs> like that. Well, we do the rebrand, so that's on us. The rebrand is we put on masks and start a new company, <laughs> yes. start a new podcast, yes. and people don't know who we are. Exactly. Until our voices sound the exact same and we make the same bad jokes. Our devoted fan base probably would figure that out very <laughs> quickly. <laughs> At least our parents, hopefully. <laughs> My mom still hasn't <laughs> listened because <laughs> she doesn't know how to operate. Well, good thing she won't hear this roast then, you calling her out. <laughs> so we, we did talk about Daft Punk. And if you're a Daft Punk fan, 
that's kind of cool, right? Another reason to listen. If you're not, it was a pretty small portion of the longer interview. So a reason to listen, and you can just skip over that or shut your ears or, or put on your mask. But before we get into the interview, there's also some key information transmitted between us and the women's soccer show, Helen and Sarah, prior to this discussion itself that will keep you on your toes. So we're going to play that now so you're on the same page as us. Should we give you guys like each a word to sneak in here really quick just to, to for, for the like of this? Let's um, do it. Um, we can put them in the chat here. I'm writing it down. Um, I would like to submit that one of you must use the word um, dandelion. Okay. I know. I, I kind of want to go Daft Punk. I kind of want to see how Daft Punk works into a normal, Ooh, like a proper footy noun. conversation. It's a proper noun. That's yeah. a tricky one. I like that. Okay, I'll take Daft Punk then if it's trickier. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> da, right. I'm writing it. I'm writing it down. I don't okay. Think All right. I I wrote down dandelion. Can they smoothly work in the words dandelion and Daft Punk alongside spitting straight wisdom about the Challenge Cup, Women's Champions League, and the state of women's soccer at large? Only one way to find out, Foffs, and that's by listening. If that wasn't clear, you got to listen to the interview to find out. Listen to the discussion. The entire chat is really fruitful. And interesting. So stay locked in for the rest of the episode. Enjoy. We are very excited today to welcome the women's soccer show, Helen and Sarah, back to the pod. Second time chatting with the women's soccer show. We also chatted with them recently on their pod which you should check out if you haven't, because it's full of gold, golden nuggets, and golden laughs and stories. And we're going to be chatting today about the Challenge Cup, which happened, and the Women's Champions League Finals, which will have happened by the time you're listening to this, but was recorded before. So you'll be able to tell whether they nailed their predictions and (laughs) how that turned out. (laughs) Welcome to the pod, Helen and Sarah. Thank you for having us. I appreciate no you really shining the light on that to make sure that if we're wrong, everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. That's all part of the game. You know, that's where's the fun in it if you won't be immediately called out if you're right and wrong, if people have to dig it up, if they have to go back on your Twitter 10 years to find the gold, uh, not calling anyone out, but right away they'll know whether you nailed it or not. But we're just excited to learn more, chat about it. You've, you've chatted about it on your pod. Before we get into that, Helen, we were just talking before, you're actually commentating a game on BBC this weekend as well. Give us a little more info there. Yeah, tomorrow I'm doing the, which will be in the past when this gets released, just to confuse (laughs) you all. Um, On Sunday, I'm doing the Manchester United Leicester Women's FA Cup uh, fifth round. So yeah, that should be super exciting. It's at the Lee Sports Village. Um, And I've promised... Sarah, that I'm going to sneak in a, a little cheeky word from the show into into the broadcast. So wish me luck. I'm really nervous. That's super exciting. <laughs> That's it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah, don't 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 reveal the word. We'll we'll reveal it after the fact. We'll yeah put it on Twitter or something. I'm very excited. Yeah. If I don't do it, then you can just say um, the word was 
you know, Kirsty Hansen or something. You can just, you can just make yeah. up the word and it can be something I said. Just pick a random word. Yeah. I feel like we've missed out on the experience of listening to soccer, listening to soccer games because we're so spoiled with all of the streams, but it's such a special experience. And I'm curious, either either Helen or Sarah, what your experience is listening to soccer games on the radio. We were just talking about this because I had no idea. It for some reason never crossed my mind that soccer was on the radio. Cause like I grew up listening to American football and baseball on the radio, but people don't care enough about soccer here, at least to put on the radio that I'm aware of. Um, and Helen was just like, yeah, of course it's on the radio. You know, it's on radio and TV. And I was like, oh my God, I've never listened to a soccer game on the radio, but now I'm going to get to, and I'm going to listen to my girl on the radio. So it's a perfect first one. And um, for me, it's the the other way around. My dad, I'd say, is eighty percent listening on the radio, twenty percent watching it. Um, he like goes into the kitchen to listen to football. So like he has his little radio. Can you imagine just an old man with one of those little black radios with the big pulley out silver like antenna, and he just sort of sits with it by like by his ear, and he like reads the newspaper, and it's his that's his jam. So like he. I remember when I was little, he would, if we were going on holiday or something, he would put the football on in the car and just I hated the sound of it because it's so monotonous. But when you're a little girl, you just want to like listen to music. And I'd be like, Ugh! and you also can't now as an adult, I really appreciate it. It's an art form, but um, you can't imagine it when you're a kid. But now I listen to it and it's like they paint a picture in your mind. I'm sure it's the same for baseball and, and for the sports that you've heard on the radio, but um, shout out yesterday I listened to Newcastle United versus Manchester City on the radio because I was driving back from football and Vicky Sparks she's an artist like she I, I just like listened to her speaking and I can just see it I just I was screaming in the car and it was like I was there in the stadium like I could just feel it it was incredible and it really is a, an absolute skill when you're able to do it that's not me saying that I am able to do it by the way <laughs> We're about to find out if I can do it. <laughs> um, but it is, it's incredible. How is she describing those Torres goals? And, oh, Torres gets a toe on it, and it's in the back of the net. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> those, those are some going. wild goals. Did you, did, did you end up watching those goals? <laughs> yeah, I've had, Oh, right, I've Newcastle. Yeah. yeah, I was too busy um, too busy screaming expletives at the radio when um when it she was like and it's in and um, I also I think and I don't want to sort of out her but I think she might be a Newcastle United fan she covers all games but I have a feeling that just from memory that she's um she's a Newcastle fan so I think she probably put a little bit more energy into into the Newcastle uh, Newcastle goals maybe than she did the Mad City goals I don't know that's got to be the hardest part if you're a commentator and you're rooting for a specific team and something bad happens to not let it slip and be like, oh, damn it. Oh, I mean, um, you know, <laughs> definitely Such a hard job. Imagine doing that Chelsea game today, the, the big final. It was incredible. But imagine commentating that VAR decision in the dying minutes of that Chelsea Leicester men's FA Cup final just now. I mean, it's just it just is so difficult to try and explain the emotion that's going on in that moment you know like doing a cup final or something on the radio um, I don't envy them at all yeah what how, how do they describe VAR moments I know commentators on tv it's always the same oh my god VAR like here we go again <laughs> they're always so disgruntled but on the radio is it I like just, all right 
the head ref is going over to the side (laughs) hand on his ear yeah it's like they uh, you they do describe it like that which i think kind of adds to it the like martin atkinson (laughs) puts his finger to his ear he's being called over to the screens he walks the 35 yards slowly but surely to the screen what decision is going to happen it's like i was saying when an injury happens on tv say a really bad injury where they need to bring a stretcher on or something on the TV, sometimes they just go silent. So you can just hear the fans in the background and there's nothing really to say. It's like, oh, this looks terrible, this. But on the radio, you can't be silent because someone will be like, is the radio broken? <laughs> so they've got to talk. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say when someone's got a seven minute injury and they're bringing a stretcher on? You're like, lovely weather they've got at the moment, isn't it? It's lovely. <laughs> can't wait for summer. Got any plans? <laughs> That's like the running joke with commentary though. Like if there's ever a rain delay or something in a game, it's like these poor commentators have to yeah. just fill space and time. And I remember listening to two commentators once who knew they had like at least 40 minutes and they were just super upfront about it. And they were like, so we're just gonna speak really slow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, fair enough. <laughs> That's, That's one tip to get through. <laughs> well, it's lovely that your dad is going to be able to listen to his daughter commentate a game on BBC. And all of you, all the FOFs should check it out. Even if it's happened already, check out the replay. You can hear Helen, Manchester United versus Leicester. Women, tomorrow, Sunday, whenever you're listening, definitely check it out. Hell yeah. Thanks so much. Let's get into a little Challenge Cup action uh, which just happened. It's still pretty fresh, I would argue. And the Thorns are still looking like the best heading into the season. What was your takeaway, Sarah? Let's start from you. What was your takeaway of that final game? And the Thorns, obviously it went to PKs. It was a tight game all the way through, but they really did dominate a large portion of that game. What do you think of the Thorns heading into the season and of that Challenge Cup final? Yeah, I mean, the Thorns showed throughout the entire Challenge Cup that they're the best team in the league right now. But I will say, even though they were so dominant, I think it's really easy to look at this game and say the Thorns controlled the game, they won, and they're just going to absolutely dominate the league. My takeaway was actually the opposite in that Gotham is this very inexperienced team that hasn't played together a lot, that they don't have as many internationals as the Thorns have. And they were able to hold the Thorns to one goal. They were able to take them to penalty kicks. So in my mind, I think it actually showed some cracks in Portland. And a regular season mentality is very different than a tournament mentality like the Challenge Cup is. So I actually think that it showed that the Thorns are very beatable. And as other teams kind of grow in themselves, I I don't necessarily think that they're this force that is not going to be beat. It's a good take. Helen, would you would you agree with that? And if so, what's your your up-and-coming team to watch? Who do you think could take down the Thorns heading into the season? Well, I mean, judging from that final game, Gotham could. Uh, like, it was, there was, Portland were the, definitely the better team in, in that final game, but, um, but Gotham were on their coattails, you know? And I think I, I read something this week that it's kind of hard for me to grasp as a as a fan primarily of English football. But Kristen Press spoke, spoke about the differences that she's felt between the WSL and the NWSL. She basically said every NWSL game you go into, anyone can win. And that's every game. She was like, we never felt going to play NCC that, you know, we were going to get dominated or it was definitely going to be a win. But 
you know if you're Bristol City going to play Manchester City in the WSL, you're probably going to lose that game and it's probably going to be a bit of a disaster. And I think that's the the key difference. So I think going into the next NWSL season, it's anybody's, frankly. Um, Portland got the rub of the green and um, in that in that in that final game went to penalties. So it was in many ways lucky, but then also I think that that Portland were the best team of the in that game. Sarah, would you agree? Or am I just saying that because I'm a Portland? Oh, fan? absolutely. Portland were the best team. And, you know, obviously Gotham is, is going to challenge them in the regular season. I also want to throw out Houston and North Carolina, I think, are two to really watch in the regular season. Houston started off the Challenge Cup with missing f- six of their starting 11 players of all of their internationals. And when those internationals came back, it was a totally different Houston team. And if they'd had that team the whole Challenge Cup, I think maybe things would have turned out differently. North Carolina... Rumor has it they're getting Sam Mewis back. Um, So, you know, different things can happen. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of forgotten that this entire league is going to be over the span of many, many months. It's going to run into the fall. So there are going to be chunks where there are no internationals, and then there are chunks where the internationals are back. And I think different things will happen depending on where these internationals are. But either way, it's kind of anybody's title. You, um, you brought up a really valuable point that I think uh, we need to take to how we view the Challenge Cup and any other preseason tournament slash tournament as it exists. And that is you can have a quality side like the Thorns and you can have a, and a new upstart like Gotham, but a tournament's kind of a one and done deal. It's whoever wins the day. It doesn't matter your length of the season. So I can't make heads or tails of whether or not it's more terrifying that a team like the Thorns actually did it in a tournament, which you would argue perhaps a team that could just be good on the day pulls it out in the end. So so I'm a little scared for everybody else if the Thorns are already this dominant. But, but shout to Gotham, um, and question back to you guys. Of the newbies, Gotham, uh, Gotham FC, FC Kansas City, Racing Louisville, of those three teams, are either three of them most exciting for you? Is it de facto Gotham, or should we be excited for the other two as well? I have a question, first of all, for Sarah, if that's okay. Oh, okay. So, should I ask a question on air, Sarah, that makes me look like I don't know what I'm talking about? Is Tobin yeah, yeah. Heath going to be at Racing Louisville, or is she going to like push back on that? Like, How does that work? I don't know the rules well, of, of drafts and things. Has she, uh, first of all, has she announced that she's coming back to the States? I mean, I didn't think she'd announce that yet. But if she, if she has, thing. yeah, I mean... How it technically works is that if she's back and she's playing in the NWSL, that's where she's playing. She doesn't really have a choice. Wow. Yeah. Brutal. So so on that, yeah, Racing Louisville excite me because I think Tobin Heath is a game changer and they had some really exciting moments during the Challenge Cup. So I think I think all three are an exciting prospect, but an Angel City have such backing that um that I think that they could really create magic with their want and desire to give facilities to these women and to like really approach this from a really professional perspective. So I think all three are exciting, but that kind of answers my question. I think if Tobin Heath is signing on to racing Louisville and I assume Kristen press closely follow behind then, then potentially they could, that could be a game changer for them. I actually think it has nothing to do with either Tobin Heath or Kristen Press. Racing Louisville were a super exciting team for me to watch. 
I'm not not just because you said that, Helen. I genuinely <laughs> feel like this. All right. <laughs> so that's so they were super exciting to watch in the Challenge Cup. Like their record did not at all reflect how they played. They had a tight game every single game they played. They're really exciting. They're a young team where everybody's looking to prove themselves. They've got a great culture. They've all bought into their head coach and and everything. And I think that if you look at that, those were their first four games ever as a team. And that was their starting point, And they're still in every game that they play. I think they're super exciting. Also, I absolutely just love their uniforms. I want to watch them anyways. So for me, it's Gotham and Racing Louisville. I feel very bad because Kansas City is almost like the forgotten team. People, I don't know if people forget that they came from Utah. Um, and then they had a lot of piece, pieces fall apart when they actually moved from Utah. Sadly, I can't really say that I find Kansas City to be too exciting. I think Amy Rodriguez is going to have one of the best seasons of her life and kind of almost work herself back into the women's national team pool just because she's such a force on that team. But other than that, I would say I'm not to slam any team, but I'm not entirely excited to watch a Kansas City game. (laughs) Sorry. I love her honesty. That's, That's why, you know, I just love it. What I will say about the the press heath, the combination, um, the year before they arrived at, in Manchester, the the Manchester United team were very young. Like the the average age was like early twenties, and it was a really young squad. And I didn't really hold out much hope for them going into that twenty 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 one season. And um and then when those two came in, I think they bring so much more than they bring on the pitch as well I think they bring so much to the dressing room like I heard I think it was um uh who would it have been one one of the youngsters of the Manchester United calling Kristen Press Chris and I was like you could just imagine her walking around like mama Chris like she's just like somebody that you'd go and ask questions about like how do you do this you know like she's so experienced she like knows what she's doing and she just seems like a really comforting kind of person to have around but also when her and Tobin were in the squad they were a completely different team they were they were they could have won the league like when both of them were fit early on in the season we were going Christ like they Manchester United could challenge and then when they weren't in the team they were back to a top four top five team but they they really lost that edge so going to that racing team I think it could be a completely different dynamic that they bring and with all that experience as well it's super exciting actually like the fact that the NWSL Challenge Cup was so awesome. And then actually we're going to get all these superstars coming back to the league next next season. So exciting. Racing Louisville has also just been kind of like you were saying, Sarah, with the jerseys, the stadium, which is amazing. It seems like the organization is really well run. And now they have this tournament coming up later this, this year with the four teams, a couple of German top level squads, women's squads that have been in the game for a long time and now playing against them, playing against the Chicago Red Stars, we were actually going to try and go, but we happened to be out of town that week. Um, but what, oh, no. what would it take for either of you to fly to Louisville and, and catch this, you know, this top tier tournament? If you foot the bill and, and I do some podcasting for your podcast, is that is that a good exchange? I'll fly there and you guys foot the bill and then I'll I'll just talk about it and you can air that episode. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And then you can kick it to Helen who's commentating for us. Like we have our own stream. Exactly. That's, you know, it's a pay. Of course, it's a paywall. Like people have to pay maybe 100, 200 bucks okay. to listen to her commentary. Of course. But still, you'll be on the field reporting and we'll just be sitting back foot, foot in the bills, I guess. I would totally go to that stadium. It looks like a blast. And it's clear that everybody there is already super bought in. Like, 
almost to the extent that Portland fans are, you know, in their stadium over there. So I a hundred percent, like if I were to rank my top three stadiums in the NWSL to go to Portland's up there and Louisville's pretty much up there. I don't I know what the third is. Sorry. They, um, <laughs> I heard a rumor that they, in the stadium, like below the feet of the fans, there's like um, a special material. So when they stamp, it's really loud and it kind of echoes. So it like is an extra like fan atmosphere thing. So they've really kind of thought about it and thought about, really scaring the opposition it's just like little clever added touches that they've they've really thought about the fans and the community and it's it's awesome the fans feel really part of it which is the most important thing Mm -hmm. that is super cool what role do you think last piece here in the challenge cup what role do you think the challenge cup plays for the nwsl going forward do you think the tournament is here to stay it's incredibly important to the season or do you think we'll continue to see it uh change and reshape itself given that it was created really as a response to the pandemic and as a response to other factors yeah it's so interesting to think about this because also I feel like I think about this from a fan's perspective but then also from a player's perspective as a fan I love the challenge cup it's super fun everybody loves a tournament style because it's high pressure lots of games packed into a short amount of time And it's an absolute blast. And I think that's part of the reason why the NWCL brought it back because it was such a wild success in terms of ratings and media and everything last year. Um, You know, other factors aside that we were all like starved for content and sports and everything. But (laughs) like from that perspective, I would like it to be here to stay. I think it's really hard from the player's perspective, you know, it's a quick lead up to a preseason. It's such a quick jump into a really, really arduous, grueling schedule. And then you have to pile an actual regular season on top of that. And the question becomes like, is that really sustainable? So I think from that, there's going to be some form of a variation of the challenge cup. I don't think that this exact format that we've found is here to stay. I don't think it'll be a challenge cup into a regular season, but I also don't think that the challenge cup will be completely eliminated because it's been so good for the league. What that variation is, I don't know, but I think that they're going to have to find some kind of a balance between the two. I, I think as a, as a fan of like English football, I would love to see a cup tournament added to the NWSL because it's just another layer and another opportunity for, for a club to dream a little bit. Um, as a fan of like a, a, t- a club that doesn't finish at the top of the table um, that's where you dream. That's where as a club you go, wow, we could win that. All it takes is winning eight games in a row. And it's like, that's the dream at the beginning of every season that your club's going to walk away with the FA Cup or with the Continental Cup or with one of those things. We saw Bristol City in the women's game go all the way and um, unfortunately didn't get the cup in the final. But like, that's dreaming. That's like, you, you know, you went to Wembley, man. Like, that's the goal. That's the dream. And I just think... Um, adding adding it formatted in that way to the NWSL could could be a game changer for the league and could really add another layer on top of it just to sort of counter what you were saying about the amount of games I think it will just change the dynamic of each game that the NWSL players go into so they'll know that they have to sustain themselves because they've got a Wednesday night fixture and um, it's possible for them to do it as elite athletes I just think it's about um, it's about picking the timing and doing it in the right way and there's now enough clubs in the league that it kind of makes it exciting and and it could be awesome I think it'd be imagine they brought in uni teams as well into it you've got such like the Tar Heels imagine it was like brought nationwide and that's that'd Ooh, be awesome 
That would Do you know that cool. like we were talking I'm earlier. sorry, I hate I hate that idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible idea, Helen. I'm sorry. In, it's really not. I will argue this on through the face. Back in 2013, I don't know if any of you remember, Wigan Athletic won the FA Cup final against Manchester City. And it was in the dying minutes of the game, 1-0. And it was like, everybody just goes, imagine, imagine. I remember going to bed. I was like 24, 25. But I remember Alex Scott was still a big player in England. I remember like in my dream, Alex Scott passed me the ball and I scored the goal to win a game in the FA Cup final <laughs> for my women's team, which were like a bunch of idiot in oversized men's football shirts. That's the dream. Like that's <laughs> the goal. It's like you never get the chance to do those sort of things. And all you have to do is win 10 games in a row. And it often goes to the NCC or it goes to the Portland Thorns of this world. But you never know. It could be you. Your team could win. I think that'd be I think that'd be wicked. Why not? Well, I mean, if we're gonna get <laughs> logistical, it's first of all, you can't ever have a professional game that a college team plays in because that's against NCAA rules, but also the professional teams would absolutely (laughs) destroy all of these college teams. Like we saw it in the, they were all playing preseason games against college teams, like really good college teams, like ACC teams and these poor college teams who are used to dominating got absolutely destroyed. We Newcastle played Oxford city in the league. That's an unprofessional, non-professional team. And we had to win an extra time with Alan St. Maximan scored in the 108th minute. And Oxford were dreaming. Like they were playing the, a team f- 95 places above them in the league. And it, you you can. It's the FA Cup. Like that's what it does. You, you like everybody bottles it. These things happen. I feel like I have to apologize on behalf of both of us because we could be. No, I don't. But we could be in this <laughs> argument for the next like 30 minutes, just like rambling just <laughs> back and forth with each other. I want to know what you guys think. Playing professional teams. Okay. NWSL oh. Challenge Cup in an FA Cup format opened up to like semi-professional teams. What do you reckon, guys? Yeah, I don't know if I want to jump into the middle of this argument. I want to focus on the format of the tournament. And as a as a United States sports fan, I think that having a tournament mid-season will throw a lot of people off. And I actually, I like that the tournament happens all at once. You know, here in the United States, it's the, the, se- the season happens and then the tournament happens at the end of the season to you know win the championship. But I like having a tournament to start to start a season personally i think it's cool i think you get you get people really playing hard right away which is fun um teams and players are are going after it right away so um i personally am very much against an interseason tournament format i think the fa cup i'd be be, i'm curious to think what what you would you know if it happened all at once in the beginning or at the end if it would just change a lot of the dynamics as you as you see the fa cup helen that's just yeah. a very diplomatic way of saying he's on my side, by the way. Yeah, I think you guys are all a bit funny. I just think that, you know, you guys and your view of how football works is so strange. But this is a 125-year-old and, trophy, you know, that I'm talking about here. This is an, an established sport over here. You guys are still working it out, you know. I've got to give you guys time to come around to this. Okay, <laughs> cool, cool your jets, Helen, before I actually get into it. Uh, no, I think... I think it, it, you're right. I, so for some, for, like if we talk playoffs as an example, I think that's a perfect example. Playoffs is such a foreign concept to me. I'm still un- trying to understand what a playoff is. I think when Sarah and I first met, 
however long ago, I was like, so explain to me again, you win the league and then you might lose the league because then you go into another round after you've won the league outright after grafting so hard for maybe nine months of the year, you win the league, say by 20 points, but it doesn't matter because then you go into a semi-final and then a cup final and then you might lose the league. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, no. No, <laughs> in what world? Like, imagine Manchester. When you City say it like that, day. it makes a lot of sense. It's like, what? Yeah, I, I think that that's just part of, I guess, our, our football culture. But if it's not something that is it, you're used to in terms of like how you play an NFL season or how you play a, a baseball season or how you play your soccer seasons, then it's not some a dynamic that culturally works for you guys. I, I come full circle. Doing yeah, at the end Champions of the day, we would be very confused. <laughs> yeah the the average american fan would be extremely confused if it was like oh we're playing a wednesday game but it's not part of the league it's part of this other thing people would not understand what was going on and what on that note i guess a good segue would be how do you guys feel about the champions league because it's the same thing i think uh i think we're really excited to see whether chelsea's actually going to win anything this year i think their men's team is being hyped up but they're not doing much <laughs> Um, and then similarly, the women's, though, won the league. Are they going to also win the Champions League? It's begging questions like, who's had a better year? The men or women's Chelsea sides? Ooh, that's a big question. An hour after Chelsea lose the FA Cup final, you ask me which team. <laughs> I wonder. Um, oh, I think I think comfortably this season Chelsea women have had a, a better season than their men's team, who've been like disappointing in the early part of the season under Frank Lampard, um, and and are now kind of fighting it out for a Champions League spot. And Chelsea women kind of coasted up until I guess we'd call it like the Magda Eriksson injury period, where they had a few little awkward moments. Um, and I think they only lost one game this season. I might be completely wrong, Sarah, but I think they only lost one game this season and. Other than that, they, they, they kind of, they comfortably fought it out, and um, and based on the league itself, I mean, you don't graft for like nine months of the year to then, you know, like they've won, they've they've won the league, so that's the biggest achievement. And then the Champions League is is I guess another layer. Um, so they've done one of the two, and Chelsea men have not managed one of the two. Is that a long way round of saying it? I don't know, Sarah. What do you reckon? I think that was a perfect way of saying it. You know, it it only matters if you can win the title and Chelsea women have won the title and men haven't. And I think that's the answer. Fair point. I think we also have to recognize who at the beginning of the season had a better chance, who is actually perceived to be the better team and how, how well did they hit the mark that they kind of set. Um, Barcelona, on the other hand, um, I mean, have scored 24 and given up only six. Um, are they gonna start defining a new era of football in Spain? Are they a are they a legit team, or or is Chelsea just bringing this back to uh, to England? Helen, you want to say something because Barca's been your team for a long time right now this season. I've followed Barcelona women for a long time now, um, and I think that I think that the Women's Champions League this year is the biggest Women's Champions League final, regardless of the two teams that have made it to the final. But um, Leon, Barcelona were leagues behind Leon in the last final um, last time around. 
and um, Leon like coasted it in the end. But that Barcelona squad has kind of stayed the same. And I read an interesting stat: twenty five players in the Barcelona squad, twenty are um, Spanish. So 20 play together in that national team together. That's that's a huge proportion of that squad that that uh, play together both internationally and and in their squad together. Um, and the men's team and the women's team are much more uh, combined these days. So like Iniesta's come forward talking about the Barcelona women's team, talks about Alexia Putellas, the Barcelona player, as, as being like, existential like the the image of of Barcelona like the men's team and the women's team are kind of really really combining their style of play and um they're really combining the way that they want to do things and they kind of work together and you see it on social media and stuff like Leo Messi hanging out with the women's players and having photos with the women's players and vice versa and and I think that something's changed in the Barcelona camp and they've really professionalized they've really upped their game um, they sell the women's items on their store. So like even little things like that, the Barcelona franchise is recognizing their women's team. And I think that I think they're a force to be reckoned with. And my final kind of thing on it would be everybody obsesses over English football, everyone in the world. I don't know whether I'm just more aware of it because I'm here in England, but I feel like everybody always comes back to English football. And um and so Chelsea, everyone's been obsessed with them all season. You know, they sign these players, they pay them this ridiculous amount of money in women's football. They broke two transfer records in women's football in the last year. And Barcelona have just quietly got on with business. They scored 125 goals. They conceded, I think, two or three goals in the league. They're beating teams like Atletico Madrid, who, you know, knocked out um, Manchester City, have like players like Tony Duggan in their squad. Barcelona have just quietly got on with their business without very much attention on them, frankly. And Chelsea have had the world of women's eyes on them. You know, the women's football world have been staring at Chelsea this entire season. So I think a lot of people are expecting Chelsea to go in and win it. Every poll I've seen has said Chelsea are going to win it. In my personal opinion, uh, Barcelona are going to win it. And um, it'll be tight. But I think I think um, Lika Martins in particular is an experienced player who's done a final now. She's won a Euros. Um, she's going to lead that team out. And I wouldn't be surprised if she um, put one or two past Chelsea tomorrow. Sarah said it. I'm convinced. That, <laughs> yeah, was a, that was a heck of a backstory for your prediction, which we were going to get to eventually, but you just worked it in, tied it in beautifully. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious, Sarah, whether you will side with Helen and Barcelona or you think Chelsea are just too, uh, too much the Giants here. I think that it's Barcelona. I think Barcelona's going to take it. Um, I have a bet going with Helen and because she picked Barca, I picked Chelsea, but I'm willing to lose that bet if Barca wins. Cause I really do think Barca is going to win. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, this season is, I see it as a huge turning point in the world of women's soccer within, in Europe, really. Um, teams have come out basically out of the blue, invested a ton in women's soccer and it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's a great thing for women's soccer because what we've been able to see is what everybody's saying this whole time of, look, if you invest, you'll get the returns. And that's what everybody's seeing. PSG came out of the blue and Barcelona came out of the blue. And, you know, everybody's giving so much respect to Chelsea, probably because, for frankly, it's easy to watch the WSL when you're here, when you're in the UK. We still can't watch the Spanish League, but I think teams like Barcelona, what Helen was just mentioning, 
everything that they've done to invest. The league itself just became a professional league, which is shocking in itself that it wasn't before, but it just did, which just shows that there's going to be greater investment in all of the rest of the teams. And just because a team's been able to fly under the radar doesn't mean that they're worse. It just means that maybe they're not showing up on your page or in your media as much. I think Barca's record speaks for itself. Having watched them in their Champions League matches, the way they play, it's it's beautiful soccer and I know that's not a that's not a reason for a team to win but I genuinely think that they are the best comprehensive team it's going to be an epic battle both of these teams are incredible are not used to losing but somehow also have this like fire of a team that's had to fight their way through a season so it's just going to be an absolutely fantastic game and I think at the end of the day Barca comes on uh comes out on top which I think will be frankly the better winner for the world of women's soccer and like let's be honest like um barcelona didn't just get lucky you know getting into the final they they had to beat manchester they didn't just get lucky you know i think it's a daft punk song um and they were in that game in that that in this final because they've not decided teams like manchester city you know they've like not they've not decided amazing amazing clubs to be here and I'm just excited for everyone around the world to be able to watch this. I think that's also a, a Daft Punk song as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Helen, really what you're saying is they're not standing around just picking dandelions. They're really playing their asses <laughs> off. That's what I'm saying. I've got, I've got a little brain scratcher here. Do we think, I have no idea. I haven't seen any articles about this, but I'm curious what you guys think. Do we think this is a potential upside of COVID? Do, are we seeing these big clubs with a lot of money realize, wow, we have put a lot of eggs into men's, the men's side of operations. Um, maybe we should divest a little bit and spread our you know, investments out across the full men's and women's teams both. And are we seeing that? I, I have no idea. Curious what you guys think. Are we seeing Barcelona maybe moving more funds into the women's team? Are we seeing PSG do the same thing? Because, you know, there's a, a, a lot of upside for women's soccer in Europe. It's only going to get bigger. Um, there's a lot of room for growth. That is I kind of, scratcher. yeah, I feel, um, I found it, I kind of feel the opposite about the way that the clubs and brands and, um, and other people treat women's football, um, then that they're recognizing now that they're commercially viable or that they're they're going to make the money. I actually think what it is is that it's a it's really good. It makes them look really good if they're seen supporting women's football. I don't think I think. Can I give you an example? And I'm saying this like a week after one of the best managers in the WSL has walked away from her club, Casey Stoney. Um. Manchester United's top selling jersey of 2020 was the Tobin Heath and Kristen Press jersey. They were combined like the two top selling jerseys, first and second, ahead of Bruno Fernandes, might I add. So like across men's and women's, just to clarify yeah, sorry, that. Yeah, in the world. So their top selling jersey on their website was their two women's. So that's enough for me in the boardroom to go, who's this uh this press and this heath that we're selling all these jerseys of? And go, oh, they're women's players. God, why are they selling? And like, why are we sending loads, like millions of jerseys to America with Heath and, and <laughs> Press on the back? This is wild. And go, yeah, they're really valuable players. They're commercially viable. And also 
interestingly, as the head of marketing at Manchester United, did you know that sponsoring a women's player is more valuable and more of a valuable asset than sponsoring a men's player? Like more people are, will buy your brand if a woman's player is wearing it than if a men's player is. Oh, that's interesting. We should maybe fund this thing called women's football. And yet, and yet we sit here 12 months later after the top selling jersey was was Heath and Press and the women are still training in a tent and the men's facilities at Carrington have been upgraded um, and their facilities have, uh, have had a big refurb during COVID. So do I think that clubs and brands and everything around the world of football is recognising women's football? Well, they have to be because it's slapping them in the face that women are successful. But um, at the same time, you know, Chelsea released their new home shirt and you can't buy it with the women's lettering on the back, only with the men's. And these are just the little things, the little nuances that tell me, no, I think they just want to do it because it looks really good to go, we support women. But the reality yeah. is they're still not doing all the things they need to COVID do. COVID was a really weird... Yeah, give us equal facilities, essentially. COVID was a really interesting experience in that it it almost like peeled back the curtain, not that the curtain hadn't been peeled back. Like everybody knows the different investments and everything that goes on behind the scenes, but it almost, you would, you would have thought that it would have leveled the playing field. And I guess I'll give an example as well. Um, in Spain, the amount of money that was put into the men's return to the field in the COVID protocols and the safety and to keep them healthy was just like exponentially more than the women's to the point where the women had to threaten to boycott the entire season just so they could have some COVID protocols put into place and some money put in behind their literal safety of their lives. And it was almost the opposite of what you would have hoped because you would have hoped that this would have been a way to really level it out and be like, well, it's all, it's all safety. So how can this not be an equal investment? And then it's not. And it, it almost is an eye opener in that, like, this was actually worse than maybe some of us even thought. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry to be a bummer. No, hundred <laughs> percent. That's the, that's the truth. I see. Do you want to? No, those are great takes. I, I appreciate you guys being candid about that. Um, that it, it's, it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's very good to say out in the open and we've all got to be aware of it and hopefully things can change. It's the little things, like you said, Helen, you know. I was just going to say the common misconception is that they always bring it back to money, that we want equal money. And um, and that's actually just like so far away from the truth. I don't think any player playing in a Manchester City or Chelsea shirt for their women's team wants to be, pe- want, well, they would love to be, but they're not asking to be paid, you know, £250,000 a week or whatever um, the, 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 the men's team are being played. I think all they really want is equal opportunity. And what that is, is like nutritionists and, you know, people around them that can support like with their health. And as Sarah said, like that's part of that, isn't it? The COVID protocols, it's like people's health, people's well-being. And they should have exactly equal to the letter to what the men get in order to be able to compete at the highest level. And you're starting to see it across a lot of clubs where they're giving them almost everything, but not everything. And a lot of people know I got on my high horse about Liverpool Football Club, a women's team that is now in the second division of women's football and like kind of suffering down there. And their players are treated really badly and players are walking from the club basically because Liverpool are refusing to fund them. And in the same week that the women's players were coming forward and say at relegation, um, the men's team paid £2 million to have a firework display for them winning the league. So 
it's like that sort of level of mismanagement and neglect that like causes women to be like, I'm not, I don't, two million pounds is a third of the amount that Leon put forward to be the best team in the world. Leon spend roughly six million pounds, circa six million a year to, um, to fund their entire women's team and that they're considered the best team in the world and have been for 15 years now. Six million pounds a year wouldn't pay for, you know, Alan St. Maximan's headband. Like, <laughs> this is like tiny, tiny <laughs> amounts of money in men's football. This is like, this is minuscule amounts of football, money in football to, for a team like Liverpool to fund their women's team. It's neglect and they, and yeah, they, I think that clubs that put money into women's football don't think about it as an opportunity to make money. They think about it as an opportunity to look good, as a tick box exercise to make themselves look good. It takes people in charge like Lisa Baird in the NWSL Challenge Cup and thinking about women who are moms and putting aside, you know, room separate housing, like thinking, putting yourself in their shoes, putting yourself in their their games and understanding every aspect that you're both speaking about, but also just thinking about them more often and as humans, as players, as, you know, just like the men are, but they get that level of respect more often and perhaps too easily because the, the clubs are seen, you know, the men's clubs are seen as the big worldwide money makers. And that's not even exactly what the women's teams are asking for. Like you're, you're saying, Helen. So of course, so much work to be done in the women's game and in the champions league final, it's great to see two new teams for both of whom would be their first time winning the champions league final and hoping that more women's teams can both get the funding and create more success on the field and, and, have all these different teams fighting for the, the Champions League final year yeah. after year. That would be unreal. It should go from F from a cup in the US where it could be college teams. And then the winner of the Challenge Cup could then gets to play in the Champions League. So it could be like the North Carolina women's team is playing in the Champions League final if they play their cards right. How do you feel about that, Sarah? I think you'd love that idea. I, th I think that'd be great. Like maybe they just get inserted into the quarterfinal stage or something like that. Or you get like two teams from the NWSL, like top two, get inserted into quarterfinal stage. People hate them, but I think it will work. How is she down with this idea? How is she down with this idea and not with the idea of bringing in Tar Heels into a cup format? in the NWSL. I don't know what I've done wrong here. We've come, we've come full circle here, bringing the Challenge Cup and the Champions League back together. Thank you both so much for coming to chat with us on Footy Fellas. If you haven't already, check out the Women's Soccer Show. It's The Woso Show on social. Is that correct? Yep, at The Woso Show. At The Woso Show. Instagram, Twitter, everywhere. Listen to their pod. Listen to Helen commentating for reels, a women's game, which is super cool. We'll be rooting you on. And thanks for chatting with us. Thanks for having us. Super fun. Yeah, thank you. Maybe a few more beers next time. I don't think anybody cracked a beer this time. So maybe next time a few more. Big thanks again to the Women's Soccer Show. Check out all their socials. Check out Helen commentating the game, which is amazing. That already happened, so you're checking out the replay. And we might be doing a live stream with them in the future. Other collabs. Stay excited for that. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. See you next week.
They're actually just hacking into our computers right now, Helen. This is just to keep us distracted while they search through our laptops. Super, super, super tech Jones over there telling everyone our password in the last episode. He's, yeah. he's out here hacking. 